DJ and PK, it's time to talk college football with Utah State coach Gary Anderson. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Gary, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing well. We're about to hit you with questions about players transferring, coming and going, uh, about schedule changing on the fly, games gone, what games might replace them, if any, will you play in the spring, and uh, questions about you know planning for a pandemic and all kinds of you know health stuff you're going to have to do with the players. Before we hit you with this tsunami of questions here, what in your life prepared you to be a head football coach over the last four months? What in my life prepared me to be a football coach? Uh, I'll tell you what, to be, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if anything prepared me to do this other than, you know, be uh, understanding, be flexible. Um, it's not easy for, for coaches to, um, you know, have so many curveballs come at you. But I, I think we always tell the kids, and I've learned this as a player, and I've learned this in my coaching career, is you have to be flexible regardless of what takes place. You know, I mean, there's there's ups and downs. There's weather during games that take place. There's games plans. There's things that change. Um, you know, there's there's players you deal with where a lot of different situations happen. So learning to be flexible, um, accepting it and understanding it, and don't uh, there's no need to complain about what's going on, where you're at. Um, and I think part the biggest thing is to remember as I think about that question is to remember that we are as coaches we are educators and we are leaders and we need to make sure that we educate and we lead um, through these times to be able to help kids be you know prepared and get better and be better at where they're at and, and keep them in the moment so they can uh, understand what we know um, be upfront with them and uh, so they continue to move forward as young men because this is difficult very very difficult for the kids as they uh, deal with all the unknowns. What are you allowed to say for NCA rule as far as these transfers coming and going? Can you name them? Can you talk about them? Uh, the guys that are here, yeah, we talk about, uh, you know, Jason and uh, McGriff, Marcus Moore, those kids that have come in and have been with us, C.J. Pollard. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I would say about the transfers for us is, you know, we're, we're excited about each one of those young men that are with us. Um, you look at what the transfers did for us last year, and uh, you know COC Nick and Caleb came in here, and you know when they they came here from Utah, it's a it's a program that obviously I'm very familiar with. I have great respect for um, the program as a whole, the coaches that are there, how they're coached, what they're expected to do in the weight room. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, um, and that is always part of it when you when you get a transfer as far as fitting our culture here at Utah State. And so when they come from Utah. Um, you know, there's not a lot of curveballs when they walk into to our uh, expectations of our program. It's it's very very comfortable for them, understanding what we expect the kids to do on the field and off the field. So, if we can get a young man from Utah that's been in that program that we think fits us and is a very good player, then you know we're kind of we're very excited about that. And the other transfers that come in from other places is you know our ability to be able to reach out and understand who they are and then we recruit them um, with the opportunity and the expectation level as they come in and they're a major contributor if we're taking a, a transfer whether he has one year left or like Jason who has two years left uh, we expect them to walk in and be a major contributor now they have to earn that um, but the expectations are that they, they are much like when we used to recruit um, the JC kids which we still recruit the junior college kids not as much because of the transfer program right now but uh, uh, that's the expectations of the kids to come into play. Everybody wants quarterback depth, and most quarterbacks do not want to provide depth. They want to be the starter. Do you sure. have enough quarterback depth right now? 
Yeah, we, our goal is to have four quarterbacks on scholarship and at least one young man as a walk-on, and that's where we'll walk into camp when we start camp here. Um, you know, next week uh, we'll have that exact depth, and we're you know we're young. We have three freshmen, and then we have Jason, who's a junior. And but uh, you know, Andrew's been in this program for a number of years, and with the injury, it allowed him to be a freshman again. But he's not a freshman by you know by experience. And has he been uh, the second team quarterback in uh, and start will fight for a competing job, a starting job? Excuse me, with Jordan here. No, he hasn't done that. But I'll tell you this: he's done a tremendous job of preparing himself to get into a moment to be able to fight. He's he understands that Jason's here for a reason. Jason wants to play. Andrew wants to play. Uh, Cooper Lagar wants to play, and Josh Galvin wants to play. So, you know, the, the opportunities are there for those kids. We feel good about those numbers. And on paper, it's exactly where we like to sit. Um, you know, it looks a little different with three freshmen. But like I said before, Andrew's been here for a number of years. So, in your quarterback situation, did Henry leave, and then you accepted Jason, or did Jason come because he knew Henry was leaving? No, Henry was Henry was here um, when we went through that process, and you know it was uh, I thought Bodie and uh, Bodie Reader, offensive coordinator, has always done a, a really good job of educating and communicating with the kids. And the bottom line is Jason was available. Um, Jason had many opportunities. Jason could have played in a lot of different places in this country, and uh, you know from the get go he had interest in us. It took a long time um, for Jason and his family, uh, the NCA, to work all those things out to make sure that he had immediate eligibility because that was really important for Jason to come to Utah State or to a, you know, a, a, a program where, you know, it's not, he's not going to be immediately eligible. That wasn't really enticing to Jason, and I completely understand that. So the timing was the timing, how the timing came out was simply because, uh, you know, Jason became eligible. Um, and, you know, we had gone after another quarterback that was a transfer quarterback also. It started back in May. Our quarterbacks were very aware of that situation when it was taking place, and we lost that, we lost that quarterback uh, recruiting battle at that point. Jason was not on the radar at that point, but uh, our quarterbacks were aware that if there was a transfer quarterback that came up way back in May, um, they were aware of the young man that uh, we were recruiting at that point. Uh, they knew who he was, where he was at, and they knew that he landed at a different place than Utah State. So there wasn't any real surprises when um, Jason walked in here and we took a transfer quarterback. That shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. So when you talk about transfers and recruiting, you know, recruiting has meant one thing for decades. What percentage of your time recruiting now are you spending on the traditional high school and to lesser extent junior college kids? And what percentage do you spend checking the transfer window, if not every week, every day possibly, to see who's available there. Well, we obviously we focus in state at the state of Utah first, and that just a, a, a side note on for Utah for this year and the missionary program, which is two huge parts of, of our recruiting ideas and our beliefs. Is it's been really the coronavirus has, has thrown a real curveball in that for this year's class and quite frankly next year's class because we had a number of missionaries that um, you know. Some didn't go back out. Some decided not to go. Some went back out, and it really threw a major curveball um, in our recruiting cycle for, quite frankly, this season and for next season because our numbers got tweaked. We had kids that had signed scholarships that went on, a, on missions and decided not to go back and what have you. Um, so that's been that has been a very, very, very tangled web to to weave. Our par- our parents. 
our young men in the program that and some that are not in the program yet have been absolutely fantastic of understanding um, and uh, just putting the pieces to the puzzle there and understanding hey this is where we're at what the situation is and we have one young man that you know signed with us the best opportunity for him is to come in January now instead of coming um, right now in August and uh, he's been fantastic his family and his coach have been fantastic so uh, just putting up time in recruiting you know we, we always look at the portal recruiting guys it's their job to look at that portal basically every single day and you know we don't ever, we don't ever believe in stop recruiting it's even this close to the season if we have an opportunity if we have a spot we're going to continually work to to bring the best players that we can into this program and we deserve we we uh, the kids in the program deserve that Aggie Nation deserves that, and sometimes that seems a little strange how we turn around and we keep recruiting all year long, but we have that ability because of our beliefs within the state of Utah, uh, with our mission program, with the Polynesian, Polynesian culture on our team, and how we recruit nationally. I think that we, we have an opportunity to continue to, continue to uh, recruit year-round, and, and our administration um, gives us a tremendous opportunity to get the right kids in here if they have the proper GPA and they fit the uh, you know who we are as a program, and they fit the uh, Cache Valley and Utah State as a whole. So uh, it's always the same deal. It's uh, high school first, and uh, transfers and JC are kind of the same. You know, we've got uh, a couple JC guys this year. We expect to to uh, play for us, but I would say that the high school kids um, is is always the number one priority. But if you take a transfer again, you're taking a transfer to come in and play. And if he doesn't come in and be a major contributor, then We've made a mistake as coaches. The kid made a mistake on coming here, um, and the recruiting guys did, did, did made a mistake on, on allowing him to uh, be recruited by us. So they have to come in and have an opportunity. Now, it's not 100%, but that's our expectations, and it's the young men's expectations also. So I have no idea how this transfer waiver works. I was wondering if you can shed a little insight. You get a kid like Jason Shelley who gets immediately eligible. Cam Rising had to sit out. Take us through how this stuff works, please. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly how the whole thing works as they go through, but every case is looked at and it's examined different. Um, you know, the ins and outs as far as what Jason went through, I don't know that. I don't stick my nose in there. I know I'll tell you this, when, when a kid does want to transfer, um, he has to basically be supported by a school. In other words, they have to be able to help the family submit the information. This is my understanding, so I could be a, a little wrong here, but if I'm wrong, I'm telling you what I believe is right. Um, but that's my understanding is so when Jason said, okay, yes, I would, I would like to be able to have an opportunity to um, – see at the NCO give him my year back then he has to be supported by Utah State and uh, you know Jake Garlock and uh, does a tremendous job our compliance guy of uh, of helping them through the process but at the end it's the the parents in the NCAA the young men in the NCAA that present the case and the NCAA comes back with their decision and that takes a long time um, and it did in, in Jason's case it took uh, it took a while to be able to get that done that's why the timing was so late for us and um, I, I couldn't tell you the exact timing when Jason all of a sudden decided that uh, you know he didn't want to play safety um, but I thought it was awesome the way that Utah gave him an opportunity to let him know what was going on. And I know Jason is very, um, you know, uh, grateful that that communication took place. Um, I'm sure that was through Kyle, obviously, and it was through Andy. And um, it seemed to be, it gave him a chance and an opportunity to be where he is today and to be able to make a decision. And I think that's a class act by Utah. Take me through it, please. That was pretty good sarcasm, wasn't it, Gary? I mean, that was... What, well, PK's thrown a lot of sarcasm out over the years, but the way he ended that last question, I thought that was some of his better work. And you giggled, Ooh. so I think you thought it was, too. 
What? Take me through that, please. The whole transfer process. <laughs> no one can take anyone through that. Nobody really knows yeah. how it works. Head Not football me. coaches can, yeah. So here's another thing you probably don't know how it works. Uh, you're supposed to play Washington and Washington State. The Pac-12 is going to play conference games only. Are the Aggies going to play a 10-game schedule? Are you going to plug somebody else in there? Will it be 11? Will it be 12? Yeah. Will it be Big me, Sky I'll, teams? I'll, I'll, we play I'll the Big 12. Exactly where I sit right now on this whole thing is, you know, we have been given um, multiple dates and times when, okay, we're going to know something this week, and then we're going to know something next week, and that's highly, highly frustrating for myself, um, for everybody involved, for the team, uh, for each one of these kids. And so, what we've been able to do is we've come up with uh, now where we sit. Um, we're we're going to we're going to go to camp, and right now we're anticipating playing. Um, and our first opponent right now uh, on our schedule that's left would be Southern Utah. And if it builds off of there and we're able to play somebody else that next week, which would have been Washington, then if we can fill that, we will. But that guidance is going to come from our league, um, you know, the commissioner, the league as a whole, and quite the whole landscape of what happens in college football. So what we're doing now is we're making a decision that, uh, hey, we didn't get spring ball, so the minute and the second that we have an opportunity to open up and start camp, we're going to do that. And that's next, that's next week, Wednesday. Uh, a piece of that is, is it won't be a traditional camp for those first few days. That being said, we very rarely use every practice. In fact, we never use every practice that we could use um, by number as we prepare for camp. Um, but we will do that this year, so it's not going to be kids get here at 6 o'clock at night and they leave at 9 o'clock at night, a typical camp situation. It'll be much more modified. Really, it's really what we're doing right now. We'll wake up, um, you know, have some meetings in the morning, some walkthroughs. We'll have a practice, um, turn them away for a little bit, let them get off their feet, and then we'll come back in the afternoon for some meetings, lifting, recovery, and a walkthrough. And then they'll go home for the evening. We're going to do that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week and it's not that much off of what we're doing right now other than we'll have a ball uh, that we can actually throw um, and we'll be able to do more you know have sleds and some things that we're not able to do right now so it'll be awesome to get to to that point with these kids so we've seen some of these conferences obviously go with the conference only format and the mountain west i don't know that the greg thompson has come out with a declaration uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, but how is that going to work? Is that going to be involved? It's just university presidents making a decision. Do coaches have an input? Well, I think you know Craig's done a great job of being on our calls. We have our conference calls sometimes every week, sometimes every other week as a group of coaches, and um, you know they've they've really provided us the information that they can that they know. I think they've been upfront. I think they've been extremely honest, and they've been frustrated like we have as far as getting answers. Um, so. I don't know. There's discussions. You know, there's a lot. Every discussion that seems to be going on on every team, other than the Pac-12, and obviously the Big Ten have made their decisions, and some other people said we're not going to play football. But as far as the people that haven't made decisions, we're kind of seems like we're right in the middle with, you know, how many games are you going to play? Um, is it going to be conference? conference only is it going to be eight conference games is it going to be eight conference games and a couple other games you know there's there's some big time rivalry games that take place within our conference and you look at colorado colorado state you look at utah you look at BYU, utah state byu um you know you look at the uh the the air force academy and you've got navy in that situation you've got army in that situation so you know that leads you to say could we play 10 games and then play eight league games i don't have those answers but uh you, you like those rivalry games, but obviously you want to get to a position 
position to be able to fight for a conference championship also. And, you know, Boise, I was talking to Harsons even just as of yesterday, and they've got some, you know, some, some, uh, games that they'd like to be able to get into that they're playing and every team has that same situation so do we replace games do we play eight i have no idea again what i'm doing is getting into camp uh doing what we're gonna we're off today we'll start tomorrow get through tomorrow and then uh, we'll look forward to starting camp up on wednesday and see how that all looks but we're prepared to play we're prepared to move forward and i think our kids are doing a great job of uh doing everything they can to protect themselves, to stay healthy. And, you know, we'll, we'll see as we continue to move through this process what, what takes place. Over the course of your career, you've seen several teams travel cross-country and play. You've been a part of that. And I've heard you're not a big fan of that. Some people would think, hey, if you can get 12 games, get 12 games. But if 12 games involves flying across a big chunk of the country back east, would you be opposed to that? I would not. I would not want to do that. Um, and I think twelve games. This is just my opinion, and I don't think it's a very popular opinion. But I'm going to give you my opinion: is uh, if we're asking kids for what they've lost um, from a training standpoint, what they've lost in the weight room, what they've lost in their development. It's easy to say that okay, we're in good shape and we can run, and you know we can pass the gasser test and we can do all those things. But these kids have not played football in our case for a long, long time. Um, two days of spring ball, that doesn't count, right? That's, that's next to nothing. And so they were not in football shape in spring football. Uh, last time they were in football shape is, you know, when we played the bowl game. And that is a long time. And I also put on top of that is, you know, you play a season where there's 12 games. And you look at every young man in your program, and they prepare, and the strength guys prepare them in the weight room for those 12 games, those 12 opportunities. And the coaches, you need to be smart how you practice and how you go about it. You will lose strength. Every player loses strength. If he doesn't, he's a special kid. Okay, strength coaches are going to say, "Oh, they keep their strength. We're as strong as we were." No, they're not. And I don't think I think that you're putting kids at a, an extra risk that doesn't need to be out there if you play 12 games this year. Um, I'm good with eight. I'm good with 10. But I don't agree with 12, uh, especially if it's going to get pushed back a little bit um, for the safety of the kids. The way we've trained them, it's, uncon- it's, it's unconventional. I think 12 games would be too many. You know, going and flying across the country, I, I would rather stay in our own region if we can for a lot of reasons for fans uh for for the young men in the program uh, for parents to be able to see them most parents be able to see them sometimes you go back there and it gives parents opportunities but you know that's my take on 12 games i don't think that has a chance of happening um just and a lot of that has to do with i believe that the trainers and um, coaches as a whole would really look at that and say oh it's nice to get the 12 games in but is that really where we're at right now with uh, what these kids have gone through and the way we've been able to prepare them can you speak on uh, Devontae Henry Cole or no? Nope, cannot. Well, all right. Well, then I'll move on to another question then. <laughs> <laughs> so Jordan Love gets drafted by the Packers, and it became like the story because of Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers saying, uh, once I got the text that Love was the pick, I went to the pantry, I poured myself about four fingers of tequila. I knew it was going to be one of those nights where people started calling. So obviously it's somewhat of a controversial pick given that Aaron Rodgers is a superstar and all that and Jordan loves an up-and-comer. Have you had any conversations with Jordan about what to expect? Is four fingers of tequila, is that like you put your fingers down and you put it in a glass that goes up to four fingers? I have no that, idea. That's, that'd, be a, that'd be a stiff drink, man. You'd have to ask okay. DJ. I went to UC Santa Barbara. I went to UC Santa Barbara, and I've heard a lot of things, and I've seen a lot of things, and I have no comment on what I may or may not have done. I will tell you right now, I have no idea what that means. 
Okay. No, okay. Well, no that's, clue. That's, that's three of us. So, all right. Maybe I'll ask Jordan to ask Aaron. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, yeah. um, I, you know, I have talked to Jordan just very little. He has, he has a lot on his plate and uh, is going a lot of different directions. But when I've talked to him, I know he's been very excited about the opportunity. Um, he is... You know, there's a, there's obviously a lot of drama. I mean, I saw it again this morning on the treadmill that there's a lot of drama out there with all while what's going on. Um, my my best guess is, and from what I know of Jordan Love, is he is excited to go in and compete. I, I know he's extremely excited to learn from Aaron Rodgers um, and his and the coaches that are there with him. And he's going to be a team guy. I guarantee you that he's not going to get caught up in any drama, and it may be forced to in his way, but it's not going to it's not going to derail his. Uh, ability to be able to stay focused and keep grinding and and learn um, and be excited to learn and be he's he knows he's extremely blessed to be in the spot that he is and he'll take advantage of it every day so um, it's 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 I hope it doesn't get he I hope it doesn't get caught up in too much drama for him in any way shape or form and you know Aaron Rodgers is a competitive guy and I'm in my opinion he's he's got some years left in him which I think that'd be great for Jordan if uh, Aaron could play for a couple years and, and let uh, Jordan learn and get ready to go. So you said you're uh, you're up for eight or ten games. Do you think that's really possible when you're in when you're in the high level meetings and you're hearing medical people talk? Is that really realistic, or are a bunch of football fans getting their hopes up too high and that are really dial back? Well, I think right now is, is where you're sitting. Is this has gone on this far and it's gone on for the the amount of time that it has that it makes me believe that. Um, there is a chance. Now, I'm not making those decisions. Again, all I can do is go back and at this point when we're this deep into the calendar, um, you know, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would be saying, you know, it doesn't doesn't look like we're going to play, but we're this deep and there's that many Power Five conferences have not made the decisions yet. Um, you know, people want to play. Um, I'm 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 encouraged with our team. Just quite frankly, not speaking from too much medical information or what is out there, but I'm encouraged with where our team is today, with our ability to have the kids out of practice and um, you know how they're feeling as a whole and how they're taking care of themselves. So uh, I'm I'm optimistic optimistic that uh, we're going to play. I I think we will right now, um, and that's why we're going to go to camp. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't start them up next week Wednesday and say hey we're going to start getting ready to play some football and so as long as they're going to let us go we're going to go um, our trainers have been absolutely fantastic and I think our kids are really taking the responsibility of, of being as smart as they can and adjusting to, to weird things I mean Monday we walked out for the first time and you know they're out to it's not really a practice but it's more than we've done for a long time out on the field with coaches there and yeah everything's different um you know, you have masks on, and uh, it's harder to communicate. It's harder for them to be able to breathe when they start sweating. You know, we're adjusting as far as to, to help them get what they need. It's a different style of coaching. You know, coaches are coaching different. You can't run around and high-five and jump and be around them. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to blow a whistle during practice, and I'm 35, 40 yards away from the back of the football team, and I'm back there all by myself. There's one whistle on the field, and it's my whistle because uh, the rest of the coaches have to stay completely covered up the whole time, and I need to be a long ways away from everybody if I'm going to blow that whistle. So that's very different for me. Uh, but, again, we've adjusted to it, and day two was, was much easier to deal with. It's like the first time you walked into the store with a mask on. That's awkward, um, but it's not anymore for me anyway. It's, it's, it's a way of life, and that's where we're at. So we're going to play um, as, as, as 
is our belief, and I know this, our, our kids are excited, and it's just nice to be able to give them a little bit of uh, guidance to be able to say, okay, this is where we think we're progressing right now, and we're taking steps forward, because they, they want to they, they wanna play football, right? But they also want to play football if it's right, but they want to play. Today, they want to play. They're excited about it. Again, a day off, and we'll take a step forward tomorrow, and then we'll get to next week, Wednesday, and actually have a, a real ball that we can throw around out there, do some fun things with. Do they want to play badly enough that they will really cross the T's and dot the I's on their behavior in the hours they're away from the facility? Because there are a lot of things that are fun to do in college that they just can't do right now if they're going to want to play football. They're going to end up, if you don't cross those T's and dot those I's, you're going to end up like the Marlins with a lot of positive tests. And there's, there's that, that's that big piece, right? Um, and I, we have to be able to educate. And we one of the big things in our program that we hit with all the time, and I don't think it's just our program. There's a lot of programs that talk about these things. But, you know, once, once you walk out of that door and the decisions that you're making are really going to tell who you're going to be when you graduate from college. Um, you know, what, what, what is your degree? Uh, did you get the degree you wanted? Did you have the GPA that you wanted? Did you live your life the right way, making the right decisions? Uh, because there's, they're, they're faced with decisions in college, and we're all faced with those decisions every single day that are good and bad. Um, so we challenge them to think about those decisions, think about their goals. And, you know, the, the key, the, one of the things I tell them all the time is that the chief cause of failure is trading what you want most for what you want at the moment. Um, and that's something that right now is going to be very applicable to those kids if they want football they better make the right decisions now are they all going to do that that's we we all know that's going to be very very difficult but hey you know what we can police ourselves a little bit too as a football team and help us make those right decisions as we go through so we'll educate again we're teachers um, and we want to be there to help them and let them understand this is what they have to do to have the best opportunity to be able to play those games and it may work out and it may not work out but gosh dang it we sure don't want to look back at the end of this thing and say if we would have just tried a little bit harder, educated the kids a little bit better, we may have given them an opportunity to play more football games because I want this football team to play. I want our seniors to have an opportunity to be able to play um, and and play games that are meaningful. And so uh, we'll do our best. But, uh, you know, you're like you said, there's a lot of distractions and they're going to have to take some responsibility. Thanks, Gary. We appreciate it. Okay, guys. Appreciate you very much. Have a wonderful day. Go Aggies. Everybody be safe.